0: This is the podcast by the Business Times. Hello, and a warm welcome to Podcast by the Business Times. I'm your host, Howie Lin. As climate change drives governments, companies, and consumers to place a greater emphasis on reducing their carbon footprint and establishing more sustainable practices, one sector which seems to be struggling to keep up is the SME sector. The challenges these smaller entities face are well documented and the pandemic has thrown their very survival into question as they grapple with supply chain issues, prohibitive costs, and other priorities. We speak to William Longhurst, Head of Propositions and Business Development at HSBC, for more insights. This episode is brought to you by HSBC. Welcome to the show, William.
1: Thanks very much. Very happy to be here. Thank you
0: pleasure's all ours. But William, talk to us about whether or not SMEs' views on environmental sustainability and governance have changed, or are you still finding that these sustainability needs need to be redefined for SMEs? Because they're always coming from it being cost prohibitive. And what more do you think can be done to change this perception?
1: Yeah, it's it's a great question. And I'm privileged to, to speak to a lot of SMEs around this topic at the moment. So We typically hear three things from SMEs when we start the conversation about ESG and I call these three Cs. So firstly, cost comes up almost immediately. There is a perception that going green, becoming sustainable, inevitably means being more expensive, driving down margins, adding to your cost base. Secondly, though, complexity. I think for a lot of SMEs, the world of sustainability, the world of ESG is very confusing. And whilst people care, it's very difficult to know where to start. There's so many terminologies, frameworks, different metrics people use. So complexity normally comes up. And then finally, perhaps most important for for smaller SMEs is competing priorities. SMEs have a huge amount to do. There are never enough hours in the day. And sustainability for many SMEs feels like just something else they have to do. And so whilst they accept and agree with the increasing importance of sustainability and ESG going forward, it's always balanced against today problems you know we're coming out of a, a pandemic how do we manage these priorities how do we deal with them when we're f- so focused on survival i think for us the challenge is what can we do to change this and really my focus is on talking to smes about the practical tangible simple steps they can take to get started i think it's a big topic and the most important thing is to to take that first step
0: and how do you think that will help them sort of change their minds about sustainability or ESG as a whole? Because you mentioned how some of them have those competing priorities, cost is always a thing, and it's kind of on the back burner, if you will. You know what, I'll talk about it with you next year, William, if I survive the pandemic, so to speak.
1: You're exactly right. And that's one of the jobs, I think, that, that anyone who's active in the ESG space has to has to tackle, first of all, how do we reframe sustainability as not just a risk? And it is a risk. We all understand the environmental risks and the risks of climate change. It is a risk, but it's also an opportunity. That's the, the discussion that when we start to have that with an SME uh-huh. about how we reframe sustainability as, yes, a risk, but also an opportunity. And out of the two, we see it as more of an opportunity. We see it as very exciting in terms of supporting growth for SMEs, supporting stronger margins, better relationships with customers. And so we really want to try and change the discussion, change the debate, and make sustainability something that we understand the risks of, of course, but we much more talk about the opportunity. And I think that has been the piece that's been missing, particularly in the SME space, really talking about the opportunity and why SMEs should increasingly be excited
0: about this. And I imagine they'd get on board if they heard that it would help them for their long-term survival, both for them and the communities that they're in as well.
1: You're absolutely right. And often when we start a conversation about sustainability with an SME, the three objections that I talked about earlier come up. As we start to talk about the benefits and how this can really be critical to long-term survival, I think the conversation becomes much more animated and much more interesting, particularly to the business owners. And I think there's, there's three reasons really why we want to 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 bring to life ESG is important to the long-term survival of companies is also the societies they support. The first one is a very practical one. ASEAN in particular is very exposed to environmental risks. We understand the challenges posed in the future by unsustainable heat levels. Rising sea levels is is also critical. So on a very practical basis, understanding ESG, having a strategy around sustainability is, is practically important to surviving as a company. There's two other reasons why I think ESG is important to the long-term survival, though. Secondly is around regulatory considerations. Governments have historically used a mix of carrots and sticks to encourage businesses to transition, to change, to being more sustainable. I think the reality is that in the future, we're going to see more carrots for sure, but we're going to see a lot more stick as well. And so for SMEs to be able to ensure and plan for their long-term survival, they need to be able to navigate that regulatory environment and mean that they're not penalized versus the large companies with huge budgets to spend on these things. So I think the regulatory considerations are, are critical, but most important, the biggest reason why I think ESG is critical to long-term survival is the economic opportunity presented. If we look at SMEs raising investment in the future, talking to their investors, their shareholders increasingly that investment is going to be tied and mandated to having clear targets, clear metrics, clear strategies around sustainability and ESG. So to put it bluntly, it's gonna be very difficult for SMEs to raise investment in the future and also to raise financing from, from banks or other providers unless they have a clear plan to move to a more sustainable business model. So given, given those three factors, I think the, the key is for businesses to, to get started today.
0: For those still on the fence, how do we do this? What do we say to them that will eventually change their minds?
1: It's a great question. I think this is, this is really the crux of the discussion. It's the point at which when we're talking to a business owner, you see the, the eyes light up and people start to get excited about this. I think there's two main points to make. Firstly, when we talk about long-term profitability, this means revenue. So I see a very strong link between moving to becoming a more sustainable SME and growing your revenue, growing your top line. What do I mean by that? We know that consumers particularly are willing to pay more for greener products when they understand where their product has come from when they understand the credentials the sustainability credentials consumers are willing to pay more for a product that is a leader in that field secondly we know that companies that are leaders in sustainability typically have higher innovation, they're more innovative in the new products they launch. And that innovation in itself drives new product launches, it drives new revenue. And I think we've seen some great examples in Singapore of, of actually real innovation in the sustainability space where, where an idea is turned into a brand new product, that brand new product has opened up a whole new revenue stream for a business. Cost is part of it though. And so if we look at the bottom line, at the profit line, being sustainable means being more efficient. Being more efficient means lower costs. So as we reduce the costs in the business, what that means is higher margins, more certainty about the profitability that the business is going to generate. If we have a business that's looking at replacing its air conditioning units with more energy efficient units, perhaps adding insulation to their building, this represents a one-off cost to the business. And it's something that potentially can be financed and there are grants available. But once that one-off cost is made, actually the business benefits from significantly lower energy costs in the future. So their long-term profitability, their long-term margin is supported by having taken action to reduce their emissions, to reduce their energy output today. And I think that's the really exciting opportunity is when you look at the revenue and the top line growth, you look at the ability to be more efficient and drive margin. You take it all together and you have SMEs in the future with higher revenues, better margins, lower risks, more loyal customers, and better engaged staff.
0: What a great example, William, especially given what's been happening here in Singapore and that energy costs are going up.
1: Absolutely. And I think it's, it's a very real concern for many SMEs. And rather than looking at perhaps how they respond to it in the short term, I think what we're encouraging SMEs to do is think long term about how they change their energy usage. The real opportunity is to fundamentally change the business model. And we don't expect SMEs to be experts in this. There are plenty of partners you can talk to in Singapore from Enterprise Singapore through to industry associations, banks, consultants, because we really understand that this is this is complex and you you don't have to be an expert on day one.
0: If you like what you're hearing so far, please subscribe to the Business Times podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, and like us and give us a rating. And now back to our conversation with William Longhurst, Head of Propositions and Business Development at HSBC. This episode is brought to you by HSBC. So William, it's all sounding too good to be true, but it isn't. And the more aware SMEs will know it's not an easy road. Tell us how this can happen for them, that sustainability can mean long-term profitability. Exactly.
1: If you are heading into this whole arena without a clear strategy, what you end up doing is being inefficient, which is the opposite of what we're trying to encourage. So, And if people take one thing away from today, I'd I'd like it to be these four ideas. So firstly, think about the environmental risks that your company is exposed to, and they may not be obvious. What you rely on? What do you use in your business? Where is your business situated? Where are your counterparties situated? What does higher climates, what does rising sea levels, what does that do to your business? What risks did that expose you to? Who should be
0: thinking about that though, William?
1: I think the tone is set at the top. So we're encouraging the owners of the business to to think about the risks, but actually it should be a collaborative effort. It will often be people working in the, the nuts and bolts of the business that really understand where the raw materials are coming from, really understand the risks perhaps in the manufacturing process. So we always encourage businesses to set the tone at the top, but actually to involve your teams all the way through your business, because there'll be brilliant ideas that come from Places that perhaps you, you wouldn't expect them to come from. So that's, I think, the first piece is really understand your risks. Maybe secondly, I think, as you understand your risks, really unpick your cost base. Look at where you're spending money. You're spending money on energy, raw materials, but you'll also be giving up margin and effectively spending money on waste. Look very carefully at where the money is being spent and think about whether there are opportunities to do things differently. Thirdly, and I've touched on the revenue point already, but really think about a plan for green revenues in the future so could you launch new products new services to earn green revenues going forward or could it be that perhaps you just need to change existing products existing services and solutions you offer and make them more sustainable and if you do that can you sell them to new customers can you win new contracts and perhaps can you even charge more for those products and solutions because of their sustainable credentials and then finally as the fourth step what can you do to green your brand how can you stand out versus your peers as a real leader in sustainability? Because if you're doing all of this great work, if you're taking the steps, you're acting today, you're getting help, you should get the recognition for it. Now that could be applying for certifications and Singapore has some fabulous certifications across a variety of different sectors that recognize companies that lead in sustainability. Or it could be entering awards or it could just be, you know, really changing the way you do your comms and your, your PR. Think about how, once you've taken these steps, you can be proud about what your brand is doing in the sustainability space.
0: Can those things be done concurrently, what you've just spelled out for us, the one, two, three, four, so to speak? I think they
1: can. And I also think they'll involve different members of the team. So, you know, if you're looking at a manufacturing business, for instance, you're going to have to involve the people that are really involved in the nuts and bolts on the risk side of the cost space but actually it'll probably be your sales team that you want to be talking about in terms of the revenue and, and branding may also then merge into comms um, as well as the, the way you're kind of branding yourself for your employees. So I don't think we have to think of them as consecutive necessarily. It's a sort of one, two, three, four step plan, but it will involve different people in the business. And the key is to, to get started. Some of these are easier than others, but the key is to take that first step. And as I said, there's a huge amount of support in Singapore to help SMEs do that.
0: For some businesses that know a little bit about ESG already, they want to make sure that they're collaborating with people that share their values. And earlier we talked about how the metrics are a bit wonky out there. The data is also a bit opaque at this point. How can they be sure then businesses as they go looking for information that they're collaborating with sort of the right people, if you will,
1: it's something that's very, very front and center for us as a bank as well, because as we talk about things like sustainable finance, we have to be sure that we're supporting the companies that are really leaders. And, you know, people talk about the term greenwashing, which effectively means, you know, a product that's being marketed as, as sustainable, but actually the sustainable credentials don't stack up. So I raise that because it's a real concern for banks as well. So we're, we're very aware of it. And the challenge for SMEs is that Big listed companies, they'll often publish a sustainability report in their annual accounts. So you'll have a good view of of how they're doing. But for smaller companies, it's very hard to know who you're working with. So maybe two practical thoughts. I think the first piece is, do the diligence that you can on your counterparties. So in some cases, this may be as simple as a Google search, but it's better than nothing. Second piece of advice is, talk to them about their sustainability strategy. So in the same way that when you are working with a new supplier or you're onboarding a new customer, talked to them about the economics of, of what you're doing, you talked about the business, Talk to them about their sustainability strategy. It will become very clear early on two things, whether they have one, and if they don't, that's okay, but are they interested in this? Are they committed to it? Those would be the sort of key piece of advice. Do the diligence you can, but also just have an open conversation. Final piece I might say on that is that Singapore is, is really a leader in the region in terms of having some great external certifications, which remove the guesswork So if I look at bodies like the Green Building Council, the Environment Council, they offer these certifications, which are an independent third-party view on what a business is doing in the ESG space. That removes all of the guesswork and makes it much easier to understand who you're working with. So the final call out on that is if you are an SME and you want to make it easier for the people who work with you to know you're a leader, have a look at these certifications. See if you can go and get certified. It's a great way of greening your brand. And it removes the guesswork for the companies that want to work with you as well. That's a really practical step that people can think about as well.
0: William, thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: Thank you very much. Real pleasure to speak to you.
0: We've been discussing ESG for SMEs with William Longhurst, Head of Propositions and Business Development at HSBC. This episode was brought to you by HSBC. In the next episode coming November 29, we discuss how mandatory ESG disclosures will affect your business and how you can prepare. And that's a wrap for this podcast by The Business Times. And don't forget to subscribe to BT Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or Spotify and like us and give us a rating. That was an SPH podcast by The Business Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at the Straits Times, the Business Times, and Money FM 89.3. Any financial or investment information in this podcast is for use in Singapore only and is intended to be for your general information. Any particular investment or decision should only be made after consulting with a fully qualified financial advisor.